You are listening to Time to Revive. This show is designed to help you get the confidence to share your faith in everyday life. The music in the background is Revival from Third Day. I'm Angie. I am sitting here in the studio with Mark Bird with Revive Ohio. Hello again, Mark. Hello again, Angie. We have been talking about prayer. Hasn't this been one of the best studies we've ever done? Yeah, I love it. We've used this analogy before. You keep peeling back layers of the onion and it keeps getting richer. Yeah, it's (laughs) true. It's true. More potent, I guess you might say. So we've been talking a lot about prayer and what is it like? What happens when you pray? Basically, how? How do you actually pray? Do it, yeah. So my thing now is, are there expectations? When we pray, should we have expectations? Do we really believe that God is going to do something when we pray? Now, we can go back to where we talked about it in the second week, what really happens when we pray, because we know things are happening. So shouldn't we have expectations too? I think so, Angie. I think Jesus gave us the expectations, and we're going to look at this today, but I want to comment before we get rolling into it, digging into it. I want to comment on it. We should be praying with expectation, right? We should be expecting to receive when we ask. Because, oh, yeah. Okay, because Jesus said in the red letters of Matthew 7, ask, seek, and knock, like he told us. And then he demonstrated all these times that he went and asked of the Father. So did Jesus himself have expectations when he prayed? Yes. I think he did. Yes. Now, I think there's a fine line between, because I've heard people pray and make demands of God. Oh. I've heard them. <laughs> Angie, you probably have too. Like, I don't think I'm in a position where I need to tell God what to do. But if we're praying his word, right, then we know that it's something we can pray with confidence, right? Exactly right. We can pray with confidence. That's exactly right. There's a difference between praying in confidence and praying in Like a vending machine. <laughs> right. You see what I'm saying? And so because we know about God and his will, we're going to look at this in the scripture today, but we know this because Jesus himself said, here's what the father wants to do. He says this, you being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children. How much more will your father in heaven give the Holy Spirit or give gifts Mm -hmm. to those who ask him, right? Mm. And so the key is in asking, not telling. And it's a fine line. Angie, it is. I've been in prayer groups where people tell God what to do, but I'd much rather be in the prayer group that asks God what to do and expecting because this is what he says. So let's unpack this today. I'm going to be in John chapter 14 today. We're going to start with verse 8. And Philip said to Jesus, Lord, show us the Father. And then it is sufficient for us. Basically what he's saying, listen, If you show us the Father, that's enough. We believe it. We get it. Jesus, can you show us the Father? And Philip says this, and Jesus answered him in verse 9 and said, Have I been with you so long, and yet you have not known me, Philip? He who has seen me has seen the Father. So how can you say, show us the Father? In verse 10, do you not believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me? The words that I speak to you, I do not speak on my own authority, but the Father who dwells in me does the works. Here's a key, verse 11, believe me that I am in the Father and the Father is in me. Basically, he's reminding him 
we are one. So if you're asking the father, you're asking me, we're together, we're in cahoots, right? Here's the key right here, starting in verse 12, Angie. Most assuredly, I say to you, these are red letters from Jesus. He who believes in me, the works that I do, he will do also, and greater works than these will he do because I go to my father. Controversial verse in some context, Angie, right? But Jesus is laying this out. Notice that this is in expectation still. Let's look at this through the lens of expectation and let's dig into verse 13. And whatever you ask in my name, that I will do that the Father may be glorified in the Son. This is, I think, where the rubber meets the road about the expectations. Jesus himself is saying, whatever you ask the Father in my name. You're asking the Father in in his name that the Father may be glorified in the Son. And verse 14, if you ask anything in my name, I will do it. There's the expectation, Angie, right? Like, notice the key word is ask. I really and it says feel he like will. So exactly. Why can't we come in asking? Asking. Right? You see <laughs> no, what I'm saying? It's a hard issue, it. isn't it? It's it really back to the I heart. believe it's a total heart issue, right? Ah, uh, yes. And God knows. Right? Like I'm gonna come asking and expecting, but my heart is one that what? Fears the Lord. It respects the Lord. Yes. Fear is what? Respect. respect. When yes. it's talking about fear the Lord, it's talking about respect. Yes, yes. But when I pray for somebody, I pray yeah. for their healing. Amen. I expect to see great things happen. Exactly. But what that's happens what I when said. I don't see it? Well, that's-, that's what happens in verse 12 when it says, greater works will you do. Of course, we're taught to do that, Angie. We're taught to do that because the word here says, greater works will you do when Jesus goes to the Father. We're continuing his work, his ministry. We are now his hands and feet in the earth. But what happens when I'm expecting a healing and it doesn't happen? Okay. That is back to what we talked about with unanswered prayer. So was the prayer not answered or was the answer not? I have a, I have another answer that it could be. You tell okay. me, you can tell me if I'm wrong, okay. but this is what I think. We're in a constant spiritual war. Right. And sometimes the stronghold is strong. And so continuous prayer, continuous and fervent prayer can break that stronghold, but it may take a while. I see people who've been healed, but they were prayed for so many times. times. Right. So sometimes it's a yes. Sometimes it's not yet because... Yes. Right back to what happened with Daniel. Daniel, exactly. The, the 21 days. Yep. There is, you got to keep praying and just keep speaking it because right. we're doing warfare with our prayers. That's exactly right, Angie. That's what, what my answer was going to be. What we just learned in Daniel, right? That, listen, when you prayed, the answer was sent, right? The angel was, yes. was sent with the answer. Yes. But he got tied up in spiritual warfare, right? And that is what mm, happens. So we just have to keep doing it. That's it. That's why we, my pastor would say, we're going to go after it. Yeah. And we're going to pray until it happens. So verse 16, I will pray the Father and he will give you another helper. That helper there, that word in the, in the Greek is comforter, that he may abide with you forever, even the spirit of truth, who the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him for he dwells with you and will be in you. 
In you. He Big, will be in you, right? He right there. And we know in Romans 8 that when we don't know how to pray as we ought, the Spirit is in us and will make those intercessions out of us, right? So do you think if we really just come with our hearts just humbled and yes. fully just throwing our hearts out there in front of God, that the rest kind of falls into place? Do we start there? Yeah. And then the expectations, I feel like he validates those expectations, don't you think? I totally do, Angie. And I have to go back to the analogy that I use all the time with the parent-child thing, right? Mm. And so think about if your child came to you demanding, because they are your child, Mm -hmm. but came to you demanding you do this because after all, I am your child. Or coming to you asking, because I'm your child and I want to ask you to do this for me. Wow, that just takes me back to the prodigal son. It does. He demanded. Right. It didn't work out well for him. But then when he came back and he just said, I'm humbling before you. That's it. That's a whole nother lesson for the prodigal child. But it fits. Oh my goodness, yes. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. I love it. So the expectation in my eyes, Angie, is coming expecting to receive. What I hear in this chapter here, John 14, this section is Jesus saying, come asking in my name. And you know something, Angie, you know how we always say, we pray and then we pray in In Jesus' name, name, amen. Yes. You know, sometimes I catch myself so that I don't do that just religiously. Mm -hmm. So is it the exact words by saying those exact words? Or I learned this, Angie, Father, I pray this to honor your son, amen. Mm. Because listen, this is what he's saying here, that the son may be glorified in the father. So Lord, I'm praying this to honor and glorify your son. Hmm. Right. Yeah. It's just it's just reminding the father of my position in him. But my position in him is nothing without the son. Yeah. He goes and says that in yes. Luke, he says, don't get cocky. Right. That the demons were listening exactly. because they weren't listening to you. Right. Exactly right. <laughs> don't be all all. You right. know, what's the but word? He I'm said rather for? rejoice that your names are written yeah. in heaven. Right. Because <laughs> right. I've granted you they, that they got a little cocky yeah. and, and Jesus put them back in their place. But even the demons shudder. Yes. OK, so can I give a, another like kind of a sidebar? Sure. We talked about this just a little bit before. When I pray, and this is new for me, when I pray, I do pray the Holy Spirit into things. Yeah. Because I know where he is that darkness can't stay. So I know where he is that healing has to happen. Right. Where he is, the darkness has to flee. That's truth of the Bible. So when I pray, my expectations is that the Holy Spirit is going to go to there. Because I believe, first of all, that the word is true when he says that he doesn't want anybody to perish. Right. And then he wants every soul to come to him, right? Right. So I pray the Holy Spirit to meet them where they are and to put enough pressure on them to where they make that decision, back to the free will thing. But I firmly believe in my expectations and my prayers that the Holy Spirit will go and make something happen. Yeah. That's my, my expectation. And I may never see it. But when he he does show it to me, though, it's pretty cool. So back to verse 16 that we just read, Angie, and I will pray. Jesus says, I will pray and the father and he will give you another helper. And then he says in verse 17, who that helper is the spirit of truth. Mm. Jesus is saying, I will actually pray. He ever lives to make intercession for the saints. Scripture says, but listen, Jesus said, I'm going to pray and the father's going to send the Holy Spirit. Just exactly what you're saying. 
that's how he answers. The Father answers mm. by sending the Holy Spirit. And that wow. could be another whole lesson too, Angie, but oh, yeah. it's valid in this. It, it gives us an expectancy. Listen, yes. here's what's going to happen. Jesus said, if you pray in my name and ask the Father, and he said, I'm going to actually join in that prayer, mm-hmm. and the Father's going to send the Holy Spirit. That's in a sense what he's saying here. And this is where we need to end up. This is where we need to arrive. Right. However, I'm going to go backtracking once again, (laughs) taking you down another rabbit trail, because there are people, and I've been in this place before, that just give up because they don't see what's happening. I don't see my, I feel like my prayers are bouncing off the walls. And so do you think that the whole, the scripture about being double-minded plays into that? What happens when we, does God have enough mercy on us when we really don't believe fully? Mm, That's a great question. It is a great question. It is a great question, right? (laughs) Because I have seen people who are very skeptical Mm -hmm. sit down to receive a healing and they receive a healing. Right. Now, is the expectation on the person doing the praying or on the person who's receiving? And can he still, even when we fall short, can he still use our very timid, maybe not all in prayer, to make something happen? So just like James chapter 1 talks about the double-minded man, also 1 John also says, listen, you don't receive because you ask amiss. Mm. And that Ah, word there, do you understand? It's not lining up with God's will. Right. You ask amiss. Like to me, it goes all the way back to what you said earlier. It's a heart issue. Mm. Like, are you praying so that people see you pray that you might get noticed or get the glory or you see what I'm saying? Like, are you asking for that out of a wrong motive? Right. Are you asking for something to selfishly use for yourself or is your heart right? Because to me, the double-minded person is people that ask amiss, mm, right? Yeah. They're tossed to and fro by every wind of doctrine, it says. Basically, like, I'm not really sure. I'm on sinking sand, but I'm mm. praying and I'm asking this. But John says in First John, you don't receive because you ask amiss. That's where I think the fine line is between the commanding and the asking. I really oh, do. Oh, yeah. Okay. See what I'm saying? Angie? Yes. I feel like... Asking is in a humble position, but yet, but I'm his child, right? right? I have the right to ask. Yes, we do. But I'm his child and I am going to tell you because you know what? You said you would do this. Mm. See, that's... Like getting the car. Exactly. Like you said when I was 16, I could have the car. <laughs> yeah, exactly. No, you're not getting the car. Right. right? <laughs> exactly. That's a great analogy, I feel like. Hmm. Of course, I would say to my kids, you got to earn it. And yeah. God does not say that to us. <laughs> right. He doesn't. He doesn't. <laughs> but, but if man, you spend time it's with nice me. to be asked, yeah, it though, is. right? It is. Wow. This could go on for, I mean, this is a deep subject. It is. And I and I feel like there's a lot of thoughts about this. And and somebody may not agree with what we're saying, exactly. which is fine. And, and honestly, Mark, I'm still walking it out. Right. I'm still learning and trying to understand it all. And, and I think that's okay. It is. But I still I have really big expectations of God. I'm reading his word and I'm thinking that can happen. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And without him, we are nothing. That's right. But we also believe that with God, all, all things. things are possible, right? All right. Well, we're yeah. going to have to wrap it up on that one. Amen. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, we are going to switch over to our testimony now. 
With me on the phone today is Brother Charles Wilner from Herod, Ohio, which is a suburb of Lima. I guess it's a suburb. Uh, he's with Open Word Ministries, and we've been talking about prayer. Brother Charles has been a prayer warrior for many, many, many years, and he's just got so much wisdom and in-depth perspective on this particular topic. And so, Charles, you have prepared some things to share today that you and I have already spoke about in advance, so why don't you go ahead and just share your heart? My first point is that Jesus provides an example for us to pray. Yeah, amen. He was the Son of God, and you would not think that he would need to be praying to his Father. I believe that when Jesus was praying, he was doing more than just providing an example for us. I believe, actually, in his humanity, he needed to pray. And we can see that definitely in the garden just before the crucifixion, yep. when Jesus wept drops of blood as he was praying. Right. If Jesus, as the Son of God, had to pray, and I say had, if he had to pray, then how much more should we as Christians be spending time in prayer? And the other thing is that Jesus said that he didn't do anything except what he saw the Father doing. Mm. I know... I know we all know that Jesus had his own personality. He had his own will. In fact, in the garden uh, at Gethsemane, he prayed, not my will, but thine be done. So he definitely had his own will, but his will was to do what the Father was showing him. And uh, that should be our, our goal as well, that we would know the Father's will. Uh, there's a verse which says, my sheep hear my voice, and they follow at my call. And we need to know the voice of the Lord. How are we going to know the voice of the Lord except that we spend time in his presence and seek his face consistently? If we only come to the Lord when we have a need in our lives, we haven't got that kind of a relationship. We need to have the relationship where we are in the presence of the Lord at all times. And so when Jesus had to make a decision in Luke chapter 6, uh, when he was choosing his disciples, Luke says, it came to pass in those days that he went out into a mountain to pray and continued all night in prayer. And when it was day, he called his disciples. Of them he chose 12, whom also he named apostles. That really grabs me. I don't know about other people that might be listening. Why did Jesus, didn't he know all things? Why did he have to pray all night? And, and uh, it speaks to me that we need to be in constant contact with our Father. Jesus said, for I do always those things that please him, Romans 8 and 29. The other thing about Jesus is that the Bible says he was tempted in all points like as we are. That, again can rattle our cage. How was Jesus tempted like we are? Wasn't he the perfect son of God? Yes, he was. But as a result of that, Hebrews 4.15 says, For we have not a high priest which cannot be touched with the feeling of, of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted like as we are, yet without sin. So we know that Jesus Christ is familiar with all of the tests and trials, infirmities, sicknesses, 
tiredness, <laughs> all of the things that come upon us in our lives, we know Jesus experienced those things. And because he went through it. So we have a loving Heavenly Father who is a mediator before our Heavenly Father. And he is there faithfully calling out to the Lord for us. So I, I thank God for, first of all, for Jesus Christ and the example that he showed us in his prayer life. I do too, actually, Brother Charles. I, <laughs> I thank God for that too. Let me ask you this kind of specifically. When you pray personally, knowing all this stuff you just poured out of your heart, when you pray, Charles, what do you expect out of God? What do you expect him to do? Yeah, I'm expecting him to answer the prayers, but I think we should literally take the Lord's Prayer, what we call the Lord's Prayer, literally. And you notice, when it's talking about the Lord's Prayer, it begins with us praising God. It yes. begins with us entering into His presence. And um, there's a scripture in Hebrews where it says that, uh, that when the high priest came into the Holy of Holies, he had nothing in his hands, but his hands were full of incense. Incense speaks to us of the prayers of the saints, according to, to Revelation. So I think the first thing, when we say, what do I expect? First thing that I want to do is I want to enter into his presence with praise, with singing, with worship. I don't want to have any ulterior motives. Too often our prayers are grocery lists of what we need. <laughs> That's so and, true. Uh, <laughs> you know, like we, we don't even stop long enough for the Lord to answer our prayer. We just list it off. Some people uh, have a, find it easier to pray than other people do, uh, just like some people can make conversation better than other people can. Yeah. But in in First Chronicles sixteen thirty four, give thanks unto the Lord for He is good, for His mercy endures forever. Psalm thirty verse twelve. To the end, my glory may sing praise to you and not be silent. O my God, I will give thanks unto you forever. In Psalm ninety two one, it is a good thing to give thanks to the Lord and to sing praises unto your name, O Most High. Psalm 95, 2, let us come before his presence with thanksgiving. Psalm 97, 12, rejoice in the Lord, you righteous, and give thanks at the remembrance of his holiness. Psalm 100, verses 2 and 4, serve the Lord with gladness, come before his presence with singing. Enter in his gates with thanksgiving, into his courts with praise, and be thankful unto him, and bless his name. And Psalm 106, 1, praise you the Lord, O oh, give thanks unto the Lord. For he is good, for his mercy endures forever. So I think really when we come into the presence of the Lord, we should be more interested in worshiping and praising him than in what the Lord is going to do for us. <laughs> I, I think so good. We, we need to have our priorities right. Yeah. We need to have a time every day. I'm, you know, we're so busy. We're, we're actually too busy. We... We need to take a time to pray, and uh, for some people, well, I noticed that uh, God came out and came down and talked to Adam and Eve in the cool of the day. 
So I make that the morning. I don't yeah. know. Maybe I'm interpreting it wrong. Other people are not morning people, so you might <laughs> they might want to pray in the evening. Personally, I have a hard time staying awake in the evening. But anyway, we need to have time to seek the Lord and develop this relationship with Him. I don't know if you heard about this, but there was a testimony that really gripped me. It was called Terror at Tana Reef. It was uh, two 747s that collided at a small airport off the coast of France. They could not land in Paris. They had to land on this little airstrip, which only had one runway. And the captain of one of the planes got tired of waiting and decided he was going to take off. Whether he thought he had the clearance to take off or not, we don't know. As he took off, another airplane had to taxi onto that very same runway because there was no taxiway. It was just the one strip. Anyway, the two planes collided, and the man that was speaking was giving this testimony. He said, I noticed two things in that plane. He said, first of all, I did not hear anybody praying to God. Mm. Everybody was cursing God. In fact, on the voice recorder of the pilot, he was cursing God. The other thing that he said, people all around him were burning, and the Lord put a scripture in his mind. And that scripture was, when you pass through the floods, they will not overwhelm you, and through the fire you shall not be burned. Amen. And he raised his hands to God and began to praise God. I'm not going to be burned. I'm not going to be burned. God is going to deliver. When he raised his hands, he looked up and he saw that there was a hole in the ceiling of the 747. I guess it was the wheels of the other 747 passing over the plane that had knocked this hole. And he thought to himself, if I could get up there, I could crawl down the outside of the plane. And immediately he was up there. And the Lord just carried him up, and he crawled out on the wing, and as he jumped to the ground, he twisted his ankle, and his picture was on the front page of Time magazine of him jumping off of that plane. Hmm. And uh, he told us that night, he said, you know, there is not even the smell of smoke on that suit that I was wearing. Wow. And he said, one other thing I want to tell you, he said, how... Could God have delivered me if I had not already memorized that verse? When the flames kindle upon you, you shall not be burned. So we need to take time to pray and see God. We need to be armed. We need to have this fellowship with God so that when times of difficulty come, there's something in, in us. We've already memorized the Word, or the Word is quickened to us so that we can overcome in the situations of life. We want to encourage people to pray. Obviously, we're looking into, examining, talking about, sharing about prayer, and how God is calling us, unctioning us to pray, because He wants to communicate with us. And you know, when mm-hmm. something you said earlier— Brother Charles, when you were talking about the high priest, okay, in Hebrews chapter 7, I wanted to Mm -hmm. read verses 24 and 25, but he, because he continues forever, speaking of Jesus, has an unchangeable priesthood. Therefore, he is also able to save to the uttermost those who come to God through him, 
since he ever lives to make intercession for them. And so do you realize that he is making intercession for us? And for me, it's like, well, and and you know this, you've experienced this, Charles. Well, hey, man, if you're praying for me, I want to pray for you. And so do you realize that Jesus is praying for us? He ever lives to make intercession Mm -hmm. for us. And man, that's a a big invitation. I was traveling back from Missouri, driving all night, and at midnight I heard someone, a preacher, talking a a scripture that I read before, but it never really quickened to me. When Jesus was facing the cross before the upper room, Jesus says, Peter, I have prayed for you that your faith fail not. not. That's good. You know, it's one thing to say Jesus is in heaven interceding for us now, but think about that. Jesus is praying for us before we come to the test or trial. That's good. He's already concerned about what you're facing, and he's already praying for you. Like, I know Peter denied the Lord, but somehow he found a place of redemption. He came back, he repented, he turned to the Lord. Too often, when we commit sin and so on, we just think there's no way God can answer our prayer. But the scripture that you read there in Hebrews tells us. Furthermore, we have this scripture in Romans chapter 8. Likewise, the Spirit also helps our infirmities, for we know not what we should pray for as we ought. But the Spirit itself makes intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. And he that searches the hearts knows what is the mind of the Spirit, because he makes intercession for the saints according to the will of God. You know, there's times in prayer when you really don't know how to pray. You Mm -hmm. don't, you have no idea what the will of God is. That's a time when we need to trust the Holy Spirit and agree with Him. (laughs) Right, right. Agree with the Holy Spirit for His will to be done in our lives. So we have Jesus as an intercessor, and we also have the Holy Spirit to agree with us as we pray. Yeah, and I think in wrapping this uh, discussion up, I think the whole expectations thing is that we expect the Holy Spirit to be with us and helping us Mm -hmm. pray. I think that's the point of this, right? The Holy Spirit wants Mm -hmm. to help us. Jesus is living to make intercession for us, and the Holy Mm -hmm. Spirit's been sent to us to help us pray. And I think if you go into prayer with that expectation, I think it's a bit of a mindset shift in a good way, right? It's like, do you realize Mm -hmm. that these things are happening, right? The Father's there listening, the Son is making intercession, and the Holy Spirit is helping us pray. Amen. Can I just make this practical before we finish up here? Because I'm challenged because I have children that are not serving the Lord, and I'm challenged about praying for them. Sometimes parents get, um, well, either they just don't know what to pray or else they give up on praying. But I want to challenge you. In Job chapter 1 and verse 5, it says, Job sent and sanctified his children, and offered burnt offerings according to the number of them all. For Job said, It may be that my sons have sinned and cursed God in their hearts. Thus did Job continually. Hmm. I want to challenge parents, even if you have unbelieving children. Here you have the example of Job. 
that we need to keep on praying. Don't give up on praying for your... You, you have probably done everything that you knew to do. You <laughs> raised your children in the fear of God. You took them to church and Sunday school. You had devotions at home. Uh, you tried, but our children have a free will. Amen. But that doesn't mean that we need to give up on praying and seeking God. It's like T.G. Jake said, You've never seen a hearse pulling a U-Haul. The only thing we're going to take to heaven is our children. That's so good. <laughs> Let's not give up on praying for them. Yeah, that's so good and so practical, Charles. And, of course, uh, in every episode, we like to make it practical, if at all possible, because we can read all these scriptures, hear all these scriptures and all that, but how do I apply that to my life? How do I make this thing happen? And uh, this is a, a very important point and a very important topic. So thank you for sharing that. Uh, and, again, mm -hmm. our time is very quickly ran out, Charles. But thank you for pouring okay. out your heart. Thank you for sharing with yep. the audience You know what prayer is is in your life and, and how the Lord has yep. shown you these things through Scripture. And you've been mm -hmm. listening to Time to Revive. Thanks for listening to Time to Revive. This show has been brought to you by Shine FM and Revive Ohio. More information about this program at ShineFMOhio.com. The Shine FM Podcast Network.